Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It is your boy, the Hip Hop Lobby, is coming to you live and direct from Just Politics and Studios. And today, I'm sitting down with my homeboy, Dame Thad, to talk about this motherfucker named Donald Trump, man, 45th president of the United States. And you know, quietly, we're going to have a conversation to really see what black millennials really expect from Donald Trump's presidency, whether he goes four years, eight years, what? or if they impeach his ass before that. Either way, we're going to jump into this conversation, Dame Thad and I. It should be interesting. We're going to talk about HBCUs, talk about black Twitter, business and politics, how a politician, how a businessman becomes a politician and how he governs. We're going to jump into this entire conversation. Next voices you hear will be mine and the homie Dame Thad. It is your boy, the Hip Hop Lobbyist. This is the Just Politics and Podcast. Please stay tuned. This is the blues I'm playing. Yes, it's a fine old thing When the night is cold and lonely This is a dollar bill was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing, we had to inspire to be. Niggas, they fly to me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I call the shooters, they out with the van. Play with the squad, get piled like a sand. Piled like a perk. I'm going ham. I'm going crazy on niggas. Too waving for niggas. Do magic like I look a sand. I'm in the kitchen, compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it for 30. The straight to the two love bus in the rally. The light of the city like me, G3. I got the Cinema team. Don't know these niggas, these niggas know me Even though niggas, they call me OG Young nigga, but I put it down We was on it when it wasn't round All of a sudden, niggas wanna come around Stay over there, my J Do me one favor Take a few steps back back down on my own again And look at yourself Matter of fact, take yourself outside your body And then look at yourself And see how you playing yourself, nigga This is the blues I'm playing Congratulations it's the motherfucking chase. Yes, it's a final feel me? thing. When the night we on is it. cold and lonely. Pay you the plug. Try to be real with some niggas and put them on money and show us some love. You did me a favor, I knew you were shy, I knew you would show you was. It's only a matter of time for niggas get lying and hit with them slugs. Get found in the pool of your blood. Yeah, nigga. Remember they told me that we'll fail. Remember they said it we'll see a cell. That would that to me like can't do it. I'm in the feel like the NFL. Niggas is sick and I wish him well. I made a wish and a wish him well. I put a brick in a wish him well. Been through some shit and I'm sick of jail. No disease, but I'm sick of cells. Sick of time, sending niggas mail. Calling niggas just to get a bell. I just seen a nigga get it out. Never coming home, minute on the phone. Sick of time, seeing niggas fail. Sick of time, seeing niggas lose. Sending like we try and get to hell. with where we are, with our culture, with our people, and the rest of this shit, that we look at the presidency kind of different with Donald Trump in office, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because we just came out of a more inspiring person before him and Barack Obama, who just really engaged us to be more politically inclined. So now that we have Donald Trump in office, mm-hmm. the real question to most black millennials, my question really is what are their expectations from him? Whether he serves four years, eight years, but since he really threw out a negative light towards African-Americans in his campaign, what do you expect from him being president? Well, and that, that's a, a loaded question, Philip. I mean, when you talk about expectations, I think there, there are two pockets of people represented uh, amongst urban millennials. There's one group who has no expectations for him whatsoever, who isn't going to give him a chance, an opportunity. They know who he is. They've seen him on the trail for the last year or so. They know that he has no interest to serve uh, African-American communities. He has no interest to better the communities in, in any type of way. And so there's, there's, no, there's no expectation from them. There's another group, though, that says, hey, let's give him an opportunity. Let's give him a chance. 
maybe when you look at decrepit school systems, when you look at uh, housing systems, when you look at the economic uh, depression uh, that black folk uh, endure each and every day, there's a pocket of folk who say, maybe he could do something. Maybe we should see the glass half, half full opposed to glass uh, half empty. He's our president and we need to support him in anything that he can throw our way to help us, we should be uh, open to it and supportive of it. And so, uh, mm. again, so there's one pocket who says, no chance, so, let's get rid of it. And there's another uh, a pocket of folk who said, maybe there's something out there that he can help us. So quietly what you're really saying is, there's still a field nigga, Uncle Tom nigga mentality, field nigga house nigga mentality to this entire situation <laughs> with, with, with Donald Trump. Like, like, like to, be, to be very real, because you're talking about two pockets of people right. and... Right. And we're, we're millennials. We're supposed to be a whole new generation. But you're really trying to say, hey, fuck the bullshit. If we're going to divide everything on Trump, where these field niggas at? We ain't, we ain't, we're not, we're not ready to jump on the porch. And there's still some porch niggas here like, hey, we're going to ride the wave and see what this crack is going to do for us, man. Well, well, well I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, okay, I'll give you my, my personal uh, position on it. That's all, that's all I want. That's all I'm asking, bro. I, 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 I want your two cents. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to slowly get into that. Um, but from a personal standpoint, you know, back before the election, I had uh, tons and tons of conversations with friends and colleagues and peers. And there was great passion in these conversations that, you know, and most of the folk I'm talking to are, are liberals for the most part. And I said, hey, I'm not a great fan of Hillary, but I don't think we should just write off Donald Trump. Because you look at he, he is a different model. He's not a politician. He's the, he's a businessman, and so he could come into the White House and look at things from a different lens. You know, you know, he's a deal maker, and so maybe he could come in with a different lens of what normal politicians would, and kind of create some change. Now that was pre-November 9th. Now since November 9th, and the pettiness in every interview, uh, the disparaging and disrespectful language to people of color the um, travel ban on our Muslim brothers and sisters and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, uh, in so many words, uh, Philip, you know, Donald Trump can, can, can kiss my black ass, you know, because now I've given him an opportunity. And within a month Donald Trump, half, trying, Donald Trump trying to take you out of hell. He's, uh, he's, trying, to, he's trying to take African-American. I don't know if you still register as African-American because some people register as black or nigga, right? right? <laughs> but... At the end of the day, right, is like he said, we living in hell. He's trying to take you to prosperity where he is, where not 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 even being a trust fund baby, but a trust fund baby billionaire, not president. He he wants to make the dream more of a reality for you than Barack Obama. Let, let me say this: I always like to start with positive. I believe in the sandwich approach: positive, negative, positive. And so let me start with a positive with Donald Trump. Mm. I am fascinated by his story. To, yes. to be able to do what, what he did for the first time yes, in history, um, yes, I, I think that's fascinating to, to against all odds, when everybody has turned their back, back on you mm. and you persevere and you keep going. Mm. I, I think that's something that we can learn from that because even when they're yeah. against you, even when folks say, no, you can't do it, you keep going because you never know what? what the possibilities are. So I think that we can, we can glean and we can learn a little bit from his story. But... I also want to point out, here's the negative part, and also kind of true. I think Donald Trump has a mental illness. I really do. I really think there's something wrong with him because, you know, um, when you get on television and now you, you're the leader of the free world, you've won uh, in, in, in convincing fashion, if you will, but every interview, it's about revenge against somebody. It's about uh, 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 who counted me out. You know, it's about how people love my speech. You know, and here's one thing that really ticked me off. His policies at this point are not angering me. It's just how petty and unpresidential he seems and uh, carries himself in public and in these interviews. And so I Mm, think there was was a, a, when he did the speech uh, at the CIA wall, um, and he got some flack for that. And there was an interview post that, and he told the guy, ABC reporter, it was the best speech given since Peyton Manning at the Super Bowl. And then he said, they gave me the longest standing ovation in history of, of speeches. And I said, oh, okay. 
but then if we look at the context, you know that when the president enters any room, people have to stand. And but Donald Trump forgot to tell the people to sit down. And so they never sat down. And so when he made solid points, they clapped for him. And to him, he saw that as they were standing and clapping for me the whole speech. But, I, but, but reality says, no, you didn't tell them to sit down. So they were clapping and standing the whole time. That right there shows me a sense of warped reality. And he's living in some type of bubble that many of us aren't living in uh, at all. And I could go on and on about how he treats his wife and things of that nature. But just to start there, I think Donald Trump has a mental issue, to say the least. No, but you, you know, I hear that. And, and I was speaking with someone else about it, and, you know, the, they put it in a whole other perspective. Because, re- real quick, do you know how, how old Donald Trump is? Uh, 50, 60? See, see that, that, that's exactly it. See, you, you, you've made the case already. You would think Donald Trump is in his mid-50s, right? Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is damn near 71 years old. Oh, word. Right. So when you when you really think about that, okay, it's not the fact that Donald Trump ass is crazy. It's not that he has a mental illness. It's not none of this shit. It's the fact that he's an old senile billionaire dingbat who had great relationships with folks before you gave him power. But even all all his power brokers knew, hey, you can't give Trump too much power. You can't like we fuck with him on some billionaire shit, but don't give him too much. Right. Right. But now it's like everybody looks at, oh, this 50-year-old motherfucker just run. No, bitch, no. He's going to be, if he runs two terms, he's going to be damn near close to 80, right? right. And, and no 80, 70-plus-year-old American really understands the dynamics of a 30- to 40-year-old American these days, they right? And, and, and anyone younger, exactly. They won't. So when we look at Trump, we got to understand we're not dealing with somebody who's in their 50s who we feel like because they tweet so much because they use our social norms to, to communicate and get across mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, you know, this is an issue because quietly, Donald Trump hasn't been politically correct his entire fucking career, right? Let, let's, let's just lay it out there and be, be that. You could say what you want about the, uh, I think it was the Brooklyn Five, where he took out the advertising or, or whatever it may be. You, you could it's say what you want. Central Park Five, yeah. Yeah, the Central Park Five, right? You could say what you want, but... Trump's never been politically correct because the politically correct thing to do is not put an advertisement out about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be the one that's going to take a point, and I don't care how the fuck you feel. This is how it is. I'm not going to apologize. Unapologetically rich, right? Because a lot of you motherfuckers be unap- unapologetically black for no damn reason, and you ain't even standing for shit, but that's neither here nor there. Trump is president. He's standing for something, right? Mm-hmm. But he hasn't been politically correct his entire career, and all of a sudden... He's been in office a, a month, and we want him to be politically correct now. To, to all of a sudden put away the apprentice, put away the showboating, put away the ego he's built through his real estate and his name. Right. Now. That, sh- that shit ain't happening. It, it's, it's unrealistic. In no, some I, aspect, I, I, it's unrealistic for him to change. I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, um, the, the, the stripes on the zebra don't, 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 don't change. You know, mm-hmm. um, again, we know who he is. I think more so he's in a different light than what we've seen him. You know, we know that he's a carnival barker. We know that he's an entertainer. That's what he's been doing for uh, decades. You know, and mm-hmm. so now he's in a new position. And most Americans, uh, a lot of Americans who weren't very privy to his previous life, and they just see him now as their American president, and they expect him to act uh, accordingly. You know, I, I think also in a position like that, it's very important that you put great people around you. So here, here's also the issue. You know, one thing I always admired about George W. Bush, you know, and a lot of black people don't like when I say this, but I, I, I like George W. Bush. Because he played, a, he played a role um, that he was dumber than, than, than normal. You know, he played right into that southern dumb guy role. Uh, but he wasn't dumb. He's very smart. He knew how to, he knew how to work a room. Uh, he was Yale educated. Um, many things we can learn from him. But one of the greatest lessons from, from W is he knew that he wasn't wasn't the smartest guy on several issues, so he went and found the smart people. Exactly. That, you know, he went and got Colin Powell. He went and got Rumsfeld. He went and got uh, Condoleezza Rice to, to be the smart people for him, to do the thinking for him. And that's why he had a fair presidency. 
On the other hand, Donald Trump is nominating people who have no experience whatsoever in these particular issues, who cannot lead an organization, who've never led an organization uh, uh, of this size, whose policies and positions previous to these uh, particular nominations were to fight against everything that these particular agencies stand for. So the logic and the reasoning behind nominating and placing these folks in these positions, uh, I don't know if there's any logic whatsoever other than these are the folk who donated the most money to his campaign and he's rewarding them with a cabinet position. And that, but, but, that's, but, that's but, the other thing. But, but quietly, that that's what happened in the Obama administration too and damn near every president's administration. It's like these these uh, ambassador positions, these secretary positions, this shit didn't go to who had the best knowledge for the most time. It's like who was the, fight, the highest fucking bidder? You know? It's like even through WikiLeaks, they had their donors list ready. Like, okay, they're giving this much money to be ambassador of Spain, mm -hmm. and it's like it's, it's all written into the card some kind of way. So we can't be mad at Trump for doing that shit. But at the same time, I think a lot of his positions or the people he's appointed are really that that those business-minded people who aren't with the system, who really want to buck the system of government. Because a lot of times. Being honest, there's some issues that Trump will bring up about how government reacts to shit, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and the timeliness of it, that's kind of real because we want expedited service when, when we when we want shit. We order something off Amazon, shit, it better be here in three days. Right. Shit, a, hur a hurricane hits, shit, y'all better have FEMA on the motherfucking ground within 24 to 48 hours. I'm a taxpayer. I'm here. Like you know, go government should work that way for some, for some people, but. The bureaucracy of the shit is, if you have to apply for, let's say, food stamps, you apply, it has to be reviewed, it takes 60 days, you don't find out, 90 days, you're still sitting here wondering the fuck if you're going to get $150 worth of food stamps, e even if that, you know what I'm saying, if that's enough to feed whatever the hell you're asking for, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, damn, okay, why, why the fuck couldn't you tell me within 48 hours that I, I got declined so I can go get my hustle on, go get some fruits and vegetables somewhere else? <laughs> no, no, but but, but 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 check this, but check this out, Phil. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you, you just made a great point. But what has Donald Trump? What move has he made? You know, on the campaign trail, he said, "Hey, African Americans, what do you have to lose? You might as well not, not a me. not a damn thing, not a damn thing, bro." So, so what what has he done for anybody to have confidence in him since he's been sworn in in terms See, of people you, of color? You, you know what Trump's going to do? Trump is playing chess on that ass right now, right? Because quietly, another episode I already laid out, and this is my stance for the next four years. I don't give a fuck how y'all feel about it. Omarosa is the face of black America for the next four years. You can have Beyonce. You can have uh, Viola Davis. Omarosa is motherfucking queen bitch, okay? Let, let's, let's get that shit out there, all right? So Trump's playing, Trump's playing chess and understanding that Obama put legislation up during his last two years that would have closed some HBCUs for not meeting funding requirements or, or performance requirements, Trump is going to hit straight to the black heart by going to HBCUs and saying, hey, I haven't seen the executive order yet. I don't know if it's came out yet, but I'm looking for something amazing here. Very imminent. If he, right? If you look at the endowments for HBCUs, if you look at the quality of students coming into HBCUs in, in most states, they are the lowest income impoverished students ever who happen to score average or above average but somehow some way in these institutions they flip them into the, the best of the best in black professionals throughout mm -hmm. the entire world mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so when we look at where they stand compared to the harvards and the yales i think trump is gonna look at these schools look at these institutions and say you know what here's where obama fucked up he went to harvard or yale he was an uncle tom to some extent because he didn't go to HBCU, I've never been to one. I went to the Wharton School of Business, so let me make sure that your school can at least produce on the same level to, that our schools do with the resources you need to be that productive, right? A quiet, a quiet part of me, I'm not in the field, I'm not on the porch, because we, we you already kind of decided, you know, it's, so it's kind of you? split. You're not, you're not in the field, you're I, not I'm, on the porch. Let's, let's go ahead and make that distinction so we know who uh, we're dealing with. I, I'm, in, I'm in the... I'm in the bushes. Right. I'm in the bushes on this shit. Like, okay, 
I don't. I'm not with you niggas over here to the left because I honestly don't believe that the Democrats are the right option. Because quietly, all these field niggas only believe that the Democratic option is the best option. They're not open to seeing the true colors of what the the republic of this country is. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think they're blinded by the white supremacy of politics because all they see is white people on the Republican side. Oh, they're racist. No, a lot of this shit re- relates to us. It's just mm-hmm. the social issues don't. But at the same at the same time. I'm, a, I'm in the bushes because it's like, you know what? I believe Donald Trump's going to get a lot of shit done because his ego's so big, right? He's old and senile to the point where it's like, you know what? Fuck it. He's going to do what the fuck he says he wants to do. And quietly, if he decides to really run for re-election, what's he going to say in four years? African-Americans, you're still living in hell. I couldn't deliver, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a part, there's a part of him looking at his scope of work for what he actually wants to do, whether it's Rockefeller shit in New York when he he donated his own money when the city couldn't get it together to, to build that entire Rockefeller Square or rebuild it and shit. It's like, if he could actually put the resources towards the things the African-American communities throughout this country actually need, which create jobs, improve infrastructure, get a 24-hour McDonald's out the motherfucking neighborhood, put healthy options out there, eliminate the food deserts, and improve socioeconomic change, then... Trump will actually get the motherfucking job done. My issue will be the lot of the field niggas won't give him the credit. Well, no, but they, the niggas... they, they won't. They, they, listen, they, they, they won't. And we have such a partisan line in this country. You have, you know, folks who are just red and, that's, and who are just blue. You have Democrats who all they know and all they want to hear is the Democratic talking points. And, and if you're on the other side, no matter if you're making sense, you're the enemy and you're an idiot. You know, and vice versa on the other side. And, I, and I, I don't like that. I like sensible, objective people who can put forth an objective and sensible argument uh, uh, outside of what political party that you're a part of. But let me say this, right. though. Um, Donald Trump, I, I, I still give him credit. And, and you know, as, as crazy as the things that he says, I still think he's a brilliant guy. He didn't get this far in life and do what he's done without being brilliant in some lane. Uh, Facts on of, of life, right? You know, right. and so you just talked about eliminating food deserts. You talked about creating jobs. You talked about improving the decrepit school systems and things of that nature. Um, Obama didn't do that. He couldn't do it. Um, and I don't know any president that has maybe had that much effect on social programs as a whole uh, outside of LBJ and, and Great Society, right? Um, but <clears throat> I think Donald Trump can really, really win some points in the black community with one failed swoop by putting forth a high-quality HBCU initiative. Because here's what I think. Mm. If you invest into, as you said, uh, these young people who oftentimes are the first one uh, to go to college, um, HBCUs oftentimes for these young people are the first time that they hear somebody who really believes in them. And say, hey, you can go to the top and do these certain things. HBCUs are a haven, as you said, for the best and the brightest and the black excellence and urban professionals in our community. And so if Trump supports that and invests in that, although people would disagree with his policies, they'll always come back and say, but he supported me and got me through school. Right? And right. When, when you empower those young, brilliant black professionals, they'll go out and then they'll end up changing those social policies that, that we have issues with. So in a way, Donald Trump can take credit uh, for pushing those types of things forward. Now, again, I you know a lot of folks won't give him credit for it, and you know I won't probably won't do it publicly. Uh, but I want to you know be, be us to be aware of that. That one way that he could affect our community and really support is by investing in our schools, and everything comes out of the school: Biolo- biologists, physicians, uh, entrepreneurs. Athletes, everything comes out of our schools, and so by investing. But, in money, but it's, it's not. It, but it's not really the schools, though. It, it's, it's not. It's not really the schools at the end of the day. You, you know why? And I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Everybody throws education at this shit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my principle is, people believe education is different. A lot of people go to school because guess what? I gotta get the fuck up out the house. I can't sit home all day. Mom said I gotta go to school. Other people, other people go to school and look at it as a business, right? But education is not the fucking issue because they're gonna fund education some kind of way whether it's a failing school or, or a passing school, right? The issue is, 
if you're a parent raising these kids, whether you're a single mother or you're a single father raising a child or you have a family, mother, father, step, daddy, baby, daddy, whatever, raising this child together, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the main issue isn't the quality of education. The main issue is are you able to work one, maybe two jobs, maybe one job at home, one online, right, and still have time to invest your resources into educating your child? Because it's not it's not putting money into the school. It's not throwing money at the school. That's not the fucking issue. The issue is, okay, this parent, you have two kids, you have five kids, whatever. You got to work six jobs to balance these kids out. You don't have any time to sit home and teach your kids the ABCs, one, two, threes, and they math. Maybe you barely learned it your damn self, right? But at the same time, it's like you have if you have no time to spend at home with your kids to educate them and enrich them and then send them to school on a business mindset to say, hey, you going to school or else you ain't getting the new Jordans for Christmas. And I know it's fucking February. I don't give a fuck. You ain't getting them. No matter what what's dropping, you're not getting them unless you invest the time now. That's your return on your investment right now. You flip that D to an A. Even though you're going to fail in school, you can still do good because if you invest the right resources, if you have enough time to do it, then that's the issue. But if you're working for three, four jobs and your kid's barely seeing you, who gonna raise your kids besides the streets? Because you can send them to school, but school is only only the breaking point between them saying, "Hey, I'm either gonna study these books, or I'm gonna go find a way to get some money." Because mama ain't home cooking. I got three other brothers here who ain't who ain't eating. Who, what the fuck I'm gonna do? I'm either gonna hustle it out, or I'm gonna stay in these books. And, and staying in these books ain't paying me shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that's that's the reality of the situation. You get when we talk about minimum wage, you talking about pay raises, the rest of this shit. That that's that's nice. And we talk about education, invest. No, niggas need jobs, right? And niggas don't need political jobs that like every politician promises. Donald Trump actually has hired people. Yes, a lot of these motherfuckers had visas. Yes, they worked in the hospitality industry, probably cleaning rooms, doing valet service, and other things of that nature. But at the same time, he's hired folks, right? Mm-hmm. And him understanding the ramifications of where we are as a country, so like, listen, niggas need jobs in a new in a new technological age. We need to make it happen. But education clearly can't be just the only sole reason. Niggas need high-paying jobs. Go ahead. We we, we do. We do. And and when we talk about education, I know more so my argument earlier when we talked about education is is geared toward college and HBCUs. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but one could argue, you know, Jay-Z said on the track, and, you know, paraphrasing is that, it's, I'd rather give one an opportunity than give them money, right? And so one could argue that by investing into our HBCUs, which are often uh, failing uh, from an accreditation standpoint, maybe our endowment is not strong. We've seen a few colleges, Morris Brown and others, uh, being closed down. Hey, and, and, and fun, getting funny with the money and they niggas be paying, getting them net checks late. That's the biggest HBCU reform that really needs to happen, but go ahead. <laughs> You know, but 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 one could argue, you know, absolutely we we, we need jobs, right? But we one could argue that by investing into uh, institutions of higher learning uh, for African Americans, that will in turn make them prepared and ready for jobs, the job market that that are out there, because it's it's often difficult to just randomly create jobs for folk, right? But if we're investing in getting folk uh, trained at the highest level. For high-paying jobs, when that's going to happen, for the most part, at institutions of high, higher learning, then I think that's a greater investment and that will pay off down the road. Because you know, one one of Obama's uh, uh, greatest achievements is that I think what uh, I don't think I don't know what the exact number is, but record number of, of job growth, uh, so so many months, um, even as he went out of office. But an argument against that would be that a lot of those jobs were temporary or low-paying jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you got me? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so my argument would be let's just invest in those young people who are in college who, for the most part, when they graduate, they're going to make at minimum $40,000 per year on the low end, opposed to creating jobs for seven, eight, nine dollars an hour, those menial jobs. And that's not taking anything away from those folks who do those types of jobs. But just from an overall standpoint of investing and empowering the African-American community, I think it starts at our institutions of higher learning who always need more and more help 
were funny. People talk about how great Howard is, but but Howard has constantly had consistent funding from the federal government, opposed to uh, other HBCUs. So you look at what Howard has done with consistent funding. Imagine if other schools had that same similar funding. So I think that's the best way to invest in in our community. See, see but you know, a lot of people talk about Howard. And, you know, I've done my research because, you know, uh, a lot of people may not know I wasn't. Um, raised under the cultural dynamic of being a black American. You know, I was, I was raised in a Jamaican household. So I didn't really know a lot of the intellects of the HBCUs, sororities, a lot of shit growing up until I went to HBCU. But even in my studies, Howard specifically, even though it's a historically black college, it's one of the only universities that I know of that was actually founded by white folks. Mm. Right? Mm, okay. Where, didn't know that. Where a majority of their board was white mm-hmm. upon founding. Now, I, I could be corrected. I could be wrong here. I'm not going to edit this shit out because I'm going to leave it for what the fuck it is. You know, y'all can complain l- later about it, right? But even to the point that Howard's funding is where it's at to, to get more federal funding, it's, it's on the basis of this is a sample or example of what we want black colleges to be, right? And because of that benchmark, with, from a federal standpoint on, on what they wanted Howard to be, that's kind of the, the beacon of what other HBCUs should reach towards, but they don't get the same funding because they're more tied into... So the state funding aspect of it is, okay, we have 15 state universities and colleges in our in our uh, system, and you're not performing well, you're an HBCU, guess what? You're not going to get as much funding as the rest of these, these schools because you could be doing better, but we're, we're not going to we feel it'll be a waste of our taxpayer dollars to invest in your services because we know that you're not going to produce the quality results that these other universities and institutions are going to going to have. You know, but you, Howard, you, you, you and I both know that's horseshit. But go ahead. <laughs> I mean, so so what is it? T- t- tell me what it is. Well, listen, listen. You know, um, you know, I, I attended Texas Southern University, one of the greatest uh, institutions higher learning on this earth and as great as that institution is it relies heavily upon state funding and you know our legislative session Mm -hmm. comes every odd year 2015 2013 2017 and i kid you not and i just saw an article just a few days ago where as lawmakers are considering um budget cuts and appropriations and things of that nature and you know and let me remind you as i probably don't need to remind you but texas is a republican uh controlled legislator and when they talk about budget yeah right (laughs) and so when they talk about finding places to cut back it's always they go always go straight to the historically black college and, and university as the first place to cut back you know, and then they always want to point to the retention rates and graduation rates and things of, of that nature, which and, and here's why I hate to say it's horseshit, because, you know, you, you've, you've heard talk in some places about merging uh, black colleges with with the larger universities in the area. And then, you know, the, the black community goes ape shit and say, no, nah, we ain't going to have that. And, and I respect those folks for standing tall on that type of issue. But when you're taking young people from decrepit school systems that don't care about them when they don't have the greatest resources whatsoever. They don't have teachers who really care about them. They're dealing with environmental issues in their community. Mom and dad aren't home, so they're running the streets or raising themselves. Uh, They're trying to find a a good snack to eat. And so you want them, within all those different things, you want them to go home and do homework. But there's a beacon uh, of hope called HBCUs that open their doors to these young people despite everything that's happening and say, hey, you can come here and get a high quality education. But we've got to spend some time with you. Our teachers are, 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 are in smaller classrooms are going to uh, nurture you. And you're not going to come in here with the, with the greatest GPA. And it may take you five years to get out of here. Right. But all those things hurt the, the raw statistical numbers that states look, look at for funding but they don't understand the social impact that these colleges and universities are having for for Jamal and Letitia, who, if it were not if it were not for FAMU or Texas Southern, they'd be on the block somewhere, putting their lives on the line just to survive. 
And so that's why I say it's horseshit. And they, and they always go to that to try to cut funding back from these universities because of retention rates and graduation rates and so forth. But I tell you, have one of those lawmakers sitting in an auditorium at a commencement and when, when somebody's grandbaby name is announced and you hear the roar and you hear the, 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 the jubilation of all the pain and the stress and the things that they've gone through to see their baby go across that stage. It may have taken five years, but he walked across. And we're glad to not see him in, 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 in a, in a uh, six feet under, but we see him with a robe and a tassel uh, around his neck going on to, to better possibilities to be able to feed his family and continue the African-American legacy. So that's why right. I say it's horseshit. Right. And, and quietly they're screaming because, you know, they know that nigga ain't shit. He ain't about to be shit. And just because he got a degree... Don't mean shit changing, you know. That nigga just off my damn credit card now. Like, let's be real. But, uh, oh, you know, you brought up a good point earlier. Yeah. You know, I had to jot it down because, you know, say, you know, Obama didn't do a lot of, for blacks, right? He didn't. He didn't do a lot for blacks. You know, people feel that 400 years couldn't be erased. Right. In 50 or 60, and it damn sure couldn't be erased in 100 something plus years from slavery, right. right? But out of all the oppression, the black man has gone under, mm-hmm. there's a new civil rights movement in America that some people disagree with me on because they feel that, you know, oh, you can't compare this to that, ooh, ooh, whatever. They wasn't hosed down. They wasn't hung. Bitch, it's the same thing when you think about it. It's a principle. The crux of the issue is still the same. And if you don't know by now, I'm talking about the LGBT issue or <laughs> gays, right? <laughs> and my point here is it's not major. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm very positive towards my homosexual friends, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know if that's the right choice of words. But I'm, I'm friendly, you know what I'm saying? I have no judgment. Right. But my issue is this. Right? People talk about, you know, he did more for, Obama did more for the gays than blacks. This is a barbershop conversation. People say this, right? And I, I haven't just heard it, like, one time I heard it like, at least a hundred, right? But then I look at a situation like this, right? You listen to hip-hop, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know who Big Meech is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. BMF. Yeah, you know who you, you, Big Meech, Larry Hoover, right? right? Right. So Big Meech ass is still in jail right now, right? Right, right. He didn't get a pardon. Right. So what, he sold some drugs. Hella niggas and sold drugs. Hell yeah, he killed some people. Hella niggas and killed people. OJ killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Two people. Allegedly. Right? Allegedly. Right, because that OJ case, <laughs> hey... That's, that should have you. Hey, did he really do it? Did they plan the evidence for real? That's a whole nother conversation. Hey, you're right. You're so right. But <laughs> to the point, right, you have Big Meech in jail who's done that. But on the other hand, you have Chelsea Manning, who was a transgender person, who stole U.S. intelligence. Yeah. And gave it to WikiLeaks, who essentially was working with Russians to conspire the election and all this shit falls down, right? So Obama's last order, one of his last orders, before he wrote a letter to Trump, was to let Chelsea Manning walk. Right? But Big Meech ass is still in jail. Mm-hmm. Does that signify and put the cherry on top to the fact that Obama did more for the LGBT community than blacks? during his eight years as president? Uh, wow. It's a great question, Philip. Uh, let me let me just say that your questions are very provocative, uh, number one. <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 is, which is what a whole shit should, should do. <laughs> and, and number two, <laughs> I'm sensing that you have something against President Obama in some type of way. But, but I, I love the question because we can go back and forth. <laughs> You know, I don't have anything against President Obama, you know, to be honest. I don't, I, you know, I love him. He inspired me, to be honest. My issue is, you see how Donald Trump came in this motherfucker? Right. Right? And started shutting niggas, niggas on planes, and they get off the plane like, wait a minute, bitch, you ain't it, you can't come in this country. Mm-hmm. Wait. You see how he just came in and put the stop sign down like, fuck this shit? Obama mm-hmm. should have came in the same way. Obama should have been like, fuck it, they, I at least got four years, fuck this shit, 400 years, we got to flip this shit, let's go. Impeach me, bitch. Let's go. Right? Come in there like a motherfucker, like his fucking menace society or some shit. Mm -hmm. We're busting off in this bitch. We're taking what the fuck we need. Smash and grab. Let's go. All you niggas, all my niggas getting broke off. Mm -hmm. 
Because guess what? Trump gonna do the same shit. Trump doing the same shit, right? Well, 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 Ob- well, Obama should have done that to me. Well, well, I mean, okay, so we so we dealing with two questions here: the, the LGBT <laughs> and big meat question. And I'll put that on the back end, but I'll address your first, your latest question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, first, um, I agree with you. So back in '09, you know, I'm I'm a big, you may not know, I'm a huge Cornell West fan, and. Mm. Cornell said it from day one. He said, "Hey, I did 65 events for the brother. I supported him. Uh, and when he wins, we're going we're going to break dance together. But the next day, I'm going to hold him accountable, and I'm going to put loving pressure on him from day one. You know, because everyday people are hurting, black people are hurting, and we have we have to keep people uh, accountable and keep them in the center. So I thought he should have came in a little stronger." I thought he came in and tiptoed a little bit. Uh, I thought he wasn't strong enough on certain things. Uh, I thought that uh, he was too much of a centrist. Uh, he wanted to reach reach across the aisle and, 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 and kind of you know mend some broken fences, if you will. And it's the right thing to do. Uh, but one of the differences, but you know, but he learned. It took him about a year to kind of get his feet up, up under and learn what he was doing. Yeah, I think about this though, also feel. Barack Obama had no experience whatsoever, really, as a hey. politician. He did a few years in, in, hey. in the state senate in Chicago, you know, but he was a senator for two years, but he really wasn't a senator because he knew he was running from day one, so he was really running. He took no positions on anything because he knew he was running, and he didn't want to uh, get uh, um, uh, stuck in a corner, if you will. So, I mean, what experience did he really have? And then all of a sudden you're thrust on this stage, and now you're the leader of the free world, right? A guy who... Mm who uh, four years prior or eight years prior couldn't even get inside the building to the Democratic National Convention, right? And so here's a guy who's just wide-eyed, like, wow, am I, am I really here? So let me just learn the ropes uh, from all of these older white men, right? And so you just kind of tiptoeing and just kind of learning. On the other hand, Donald Trump has, since day one, since he was born onto this earth, has been able to move from a position of, of privilege, of white mm. privilege, and also financial privilege, right? Mm. And, and, and most of those things are, are synonymous and one and the same. And so when you know you have millions behind you, when you know you can't be stopped, when you know that nobody's going to tell you no, when you know that you can make a phone call and get what you want, when you know that your ignorance and, and your disparaging remarks and your disdain and, and uh, toward certain groups of people get you elected to the highest office, then I come in kicking shit over too. And talking shit yeah. and writing ridiculous hey. executive orders because he's hey. for seventy years he's moved in a place of of, of, of great privilege. And Barack real Obama, niggas do real things. Real niggas I, do real things, nigga. Right. I, I I mean I get it. I get it. You know when when <laughs> you've always been a boss, you can tell a boss when they walk in the room. When you always been a boss, right. you walk in the room, right? And you, and you put your nuts on the table, if you will. Right. right? And that's what Puss niggas don't don't even sit down, niggas. All you think, clap for me, bitch. Right, right. <laughs> Barack Obama, really until now, until he just left office, he's never really been in the position to just walk into a room and put his nuts on the table because his nuts might get chopped off in the process. Damn. He's they always had dicks off. They still chopping niggas' dicks off. Those things. Yeah, we can go back. To <laughs> wow. So, so that that's in response to your first question. To your to your, to your second question. Hey, hey. You know what? Quietly, not a, not even a sidebar. This shit. Like you remember, you know, you you think about this slavery shit sometimes, and modern day shit. You know what I'm saying? Try not to. <laughs> right. And not even a sidebar here, but remember that Lorraine Lebobit shit. The bitches was surprised. Oh, you could cut a man dick off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's that big cutting niggas dicks off? What the fuck you mean? Put niggas dicks in jars. Selling them shit for Christmas presents and shit. Couldn't. Did you get a dick for Christmas, Jimmy? Cutting those things off, cutting fingers off, cutting heads off. I mean, what, what, whatever they want to do to dismember our bodies and, and, and those types of things. You know, it's been going on a long time. It's wild. And, not, and you know, not, not even a sidebar that shit, man. You, you had your point about Big Meech. My bad. Not even a sidebar like that, but <laughs> no. Big Meech, man. Why, why Big Meech still in jail, man? Go ahead. Tell me this, man. Listen, we can talk about what we want to talk about. This is your show, man. So, listen, <laughs> um, so Big Meech, Chelsea Manning. And so... Uh, I, I, you know, I've been quietly watching 
the advocacy for Big Meech uh, to be released. You know, um, Mr. Obama did a great job of of releasing hundreds of hundreds of folk who were in jail for just you know uh, nonviolent crimes, low le- low mm-hmm. levels of, of of trafficking, low levels of possession, and things of that nature. And so I, yeah. I commend him for doing it. I commend him for going in the actual prison, rolling the sleeves up, and sitting down with with those folk and just giving them hope. You know, right. that, that, that meant a lot. Um, and so, you know, when I saw that, w- would Big Meats be released? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the case is for it, you know. Um, but then you go over and you look at, uh, at Chelsea Manning, which formerly Bradley Manning, and I honestly didn't even know that there was a, a, a sex change, name change in that process, and so that was news to me. Uh, okay. Exactly, because Bradley Manning committed a crime. Right. Chelsea Manning is in jail right now. But Chelsea Manning got to get out because she don't have the right transgender meds in prison. Right, you know, and that, that's a whole other conversation. But, um, you know, here, here you are looking at an individual who, who committed high crimes. You know, you, you could, it may be treason, if you will, if you look up the uh, actual definition of it. Um, and then you look at a, a young brother who made a great living selling drugs in this country. Uh, and I'm, and I, I can guarantee you it was out of survival. You know, probably grew hey, it's up gotta and, be. And just trying yeah. to put food on the table and, 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 and make mama hey. proud and get mama out the hood and live a decent right. life and live live what, what what we know as the American dream. Right. Um, and nigga, nigga, niggas ain't selling drugs just to be like I wanna sell drugs. Niggas is selling drugs to feed their family, nigga. Right, right, right. There's no, there's no <laughs> opportunity. What do you do? You have so many people talking about the American dream and I want this house for the <laughs> to have a yard and a dog to run uh, around the yard but as people right. of color who've been so disenfranchised for, for hundreds and hundreds of years how do I achieve that same dream I gotta move three keys to get that shit I mean you, you end up doing five keys what you have to do I'm gonna... and, and, but, but, but we also know we've also learned that being a drug dealer uh, doesn't mean that you're a bad person We've we, we, we know of many instances now a folk, yeah, mm-hmm. my favorite example is Jay-Z, who sold drugs at a high level, but it, but has used that uh, ingenuity and the business savvy it took to run a high-level operation like that. You know, people like to, they, they forget that running a drug business is a business, and it takes a lot of thought, <laughs> a lot of ingenuity, uh, a lot of operational uh, uh, savvy to get through that. And your only business that. insurance is your pistol. Right, right. So you may not like the means of how I'm doing it, but you, you still have to respect the hustle. But Jay-Z is a great example of, of, of someone who turned something like that on its head and still used that same acumen to put it in another space, in another lane, and has made millions and have impacted so many different lives. But to your point, here's what I think about the Bradley Manning, Chelsea Manning, thing. the LGP, LGBT uh, 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 community always gets their voice heard. You know, when it comes uh-huh. to don't ask, don't tell being repealed, and I supported that. I thought it should have been. You know, when I was in the military, I, I hated to see so many young brothers and sisters having to suppress and hide who they were and their lifestyle uh, because of a ridiculous regulation. And if they revealed that they were gay or in any type of way, they would be kicked out of the out of the uh, uh, service just because of that. And I thought that was just so unfair. I thought it was so unfair that folk just can't openly love who they want to love and live a life uh, uh, where they're able to just. Uh, marry or support or, or, or spend their life with whoever they wanted to, right? But one thing that we also have to say about the LGBT community, again, here's the positive. When they want something done, they gain together. Yeah. They gain together and they push <clears throat> and they lift their voices and, and they have the ability to do something that the folk advocating for Big Meech can't do for the most part. Now, you think about the LGBT community and who's leading that community. I, I can promise you it isn't many black faces leading uh, uh, the progressive push for LGBT rights. It's going to be some uh, a white person. And again, let's go, so back need, white so let's, go back, let's go back to white privilege. And so LGBT sure. community, their issues get pushed ahead because they have a lot of money behind them. That's white privilege again. Uh, and so they can go uh, to Mr. Obama, whoever the president is, and say, hey, we want this done. And as a matter of fact, do you remember that check that I wrote for you on the campaign trail? 
Mm. And that's financial privilege. That's white privilege. Now, the folks supporting Big Meech who want to see him out of there, I can guarantee you they haven't they haven't written a large-scale check to a political campaign. They can't go to Mr. Obama and get him on the cell phone and say, hey, do you remember what I did for you? That's not going to happen. So you ask, why did he do more for the LGBT community than he may have done for the African-American community? And, and, and I, don't, I don't particularly agree with that statement that he did do more uh, in those particular ways, but just for the sake of the question, it's because money makes this world go round. Right, mm. you know, I, I I thought that Big Meech should have been uh, 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 released from jail. I thought that uh, uh, Marcus Garvey should have been uh, pardoned uh, as well, but that didn't happen. But it's it's about mm. the almighty dollar, and I'm not don't get me on I'm not saying that Mr. Obama is beholden to the dollar, but we all have to take an account for what what money does, and it makes us all move in different ways. So. Right. Again, I was I wasn't in the room when the decision was was made, but I can guarantee you that the LGBT folk have a little bit more influence than the folk who were advocating for Big Meek. I got you. And, you know, you, you brought up a great point. I'm I'm gonna flip it to this last question because you know I I wanna you you said something very poignant in this shit, bro. You are deep, damn bad deep, bro. You deep, bro. Because you know basically you said it's white white privilege is basically leading. The um, LGBT movement having a white face on front of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're telling me that in order to get the Black Lives Matter movement to more notoriety, we need to put a white face on front of it. Like there needs to be a white face being like, "Hey, Black Lives Matter." Like Shia LaBeouf, or LaBeouf, Peyton Manning, um, Mary, maybe Aaron Rodgers. We get them as the face of the Black Lives Matter movement, and maybe we actually get some shit done. Is what you're really trying to tell me? Uh, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Again, these, these brilliant <laughs> You know, uh, th- throughout, throughout history and even today, we, we have a plethora of, of white brothers and sisters who are willing to lay their lives on the line and help. And when you go back to the abolitionist movement with John Brown, um, you look at Today, a brave figure, uh, Father Michael Flager in Chicago, um, who is on the front lines for for everyday people and for African-American folk. But in order for Black Lives Matter to move forward in a more poignant way, and don't get me wrong, I think Black Lives Matter had a lot of impact on what happened in this past election. You know, I think if Black Lives Matter... But niggas lost. Listen... You know, no, no, bro, no. It's like, it's like, come on now. It's like, that's like saying, that's like saying Andre Iguodala had a good damn game in the NBA Finals, bitch. They still lost. It shit don't matter. If you lose, you lose.